Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. The pressure is not in Duval. Are you kidding me? You have got a lame-ass franchise rolling in the town who has lost six in a row. They cannot score. It is the worst offense in the NFL. They got a quarterback who's a rocket scientist, okay? He's had one career start in three years. They're injured. They're done. They're cooked. It's over. I haven't bet in 10-plus years, and I'm considering it right now for the first time, long time. I got a major itch. I got a couple mason jars with cash because, of course, no matter where your money goes these days, the market sucks, right? I mean, okay, it was up a little bit today. Yay, that's good. I mean, tomorrow it's going to be bad again, right? So what do you do with your money? Well, let's become degenerate gamblers, right? Five years ago, that was voodoo. Five years ago, that was evil. Now everyone's in bed with betting, you know? Latest is Jacksonville minus six. What does that mean? Money, 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 money. Coming in on Tennessee. What in the hell do they know in Vegas that we don't? Nothing. We'll find out from the Philly Godfather in 40 minutes. I wonder if this is so far sharp money. Have the wise guys spoken early in the week, or is this just public money? Is it more of slips that are coming in than actual cash? Uh, Of course, we'll have a full update on that Friday with the Philly Rooster, who's got uh, some things working where his sources are just impeccable. And as you know, the way that it has always been, bet against the general public and you yourself will be a winner. I can't believe that people out there are dropping cash right now on Tennessee. I thought the line was good. You know, seven, maybe six and a half, depending on where you shop. But again, some money rolling in now on Tennessee. We'll see if that remains the same. And we'll see if there's an opportunity where it could switch back up to where it once was. Or could it dip even further? So keep it right here for the very latest as far as that. All right, great to have you with us. A Wednesday edition, and this is such a great time to be here in Jacksonville. I mean, it really is. Isn't this sensational? And aren't you enjoying it? You know, I'm, the, the, the expression that I hate more than anything, and I don't hate. hate. Hate is bad. I mean, hate is, I don't hate. What I dislike more than anything. Outside of maybe the holidays for kids, 
you know, Santa's coming down that chimney. Oh, I can't wait for Christmas. I can't. Okay, that I got. But I think there sh- you should draw the line. Uh, let's say it may be, I don't know, the age of eight, uh, maybe nine, ten. Once you're ten, you're no longer allowed to use the expression and or cliche, I can't wait. If you are a Jaguar fan right now and you are saying to your buddies, I can't wait, get after them. Don't get after her. Don't slap her. Don't pull a Dana White, okay? You'll probably end up losing your job. Dana won't. Dana's Boston. Dana knew Woody, you know, he knew Whitey Bulger. Dana's, he's got all this money. He's going to find his way out of it. So don't get caught into that particular trap. But let me tell you something. It is a terrible saying. People are dying each and every day. People are dying each and every hour. Enjoy tonight. Enjoy Thursday. Enjoy Friday. Enjoy Saturday up until toe meets leather. Jacksonville is going to dominate this game against Tennessee. Enjoy the ride. Don't be so quick to give up the next three days just to get to the matchup. Mm -mm. This is an opportunity for you to stick out your chest. This is an opportunity for you to play the role of the ultimate alpha, okay? A braggart, loud, proud, obnoxious if you want to be. I don't know. I've never been a big fan of that. To me, wins are always about relief. It's a sense of, wow, you know, you can kind of wipe your brow. There's nothing worse than a poor winner. Unfortunately, around here, we haven't dealt with that, right? This has been a consummate loser. This has been a terrible football team. Year after year after year after year, they have invented ways to lose. They have made wrong decision after wrong decision. All of a sudden, it completely turned around. This team was 2-6. and This team got throttled by Detroit. They got absolutely embarrassed by Detroit. You said it. I said it. Fire bulky. You said it. I didn't say it. Trevor's a bust. He's on a generational player. You said it. I said it. Rayshon Jenkins can't play. You said it. I said it. Evan Ingram's averaging just over three receptions a game through nine games. What has happened? This is incredible. It's a great coaching staff. Oh, by the way, Mike Caldwell. Go back to that. Fire his ass, right? You said it. I hear you. No one's more interactive with the listeners than I am. I live on the text line. I live on Twitter. I I talk with you folks all the time. Well, honestly, you know, JJ, I spend about 12 hours a day in bed. So the 12 hours that I'm actually up, I do interact with a lot. You know, that that whole expression, I'll sleep when I die. Uh uh. I'm going to sleep when I'm alive. I am a well rested man by the time I get in here at 6 p.m. It's fine. You said what you said. No one remembers outside of me, okay? It's good to be wrong, especially when your team makes an about face and completely goes 180 right in front of you, and you still don't understand why. This team still got some Swiss cheese to it. There's a lot of holes on this team. Friend of the program, the late Uche Winare, who unfortunately died on Friday. Devastated. Had him on a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about Cam Robinson. He actually raised it. He thought it was a bad decision to sign Cam Robinson. We talked about the left guard. We got into whether or not they should spend the money 
on Juwan Taylor at right tackle. To credit the late Uche Winare, he's one of the few people that I honestly do remember who came out and said, it'll never work with Urban Meyer. And I was like, come on, Uche. You know, at the time I was, or still am, but really, 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 really close to someone who had incredible access to Urban Meyer showing me texts that were coming in and the time of the texts, like 4 a.m. I mean, Urban fooled us all, didn't fool Uche Winare, all right? Doug Peterson, again, they, they, they didn't handle it well. What the hell were they waiting for? They waited 38 days to announce Doug Peterson after they brought him in and they brought Jim Coblin. No, they went through the whole cycle, you know, Bill O'Brien's going to be here. Who was some of the other knuckleheads that they were considering? Um, well, they all, all the fans want to Byron Leftwich. By, oh yeah, be, and now that's, this guy's about to get fired. That's a very difficult team to watch right now in Tampa, although they played well last week. Brady was awesome. This right here is pure joy, okay? You're already playing with house money. You were 2-6. and six. You lost five in a row. You were down 17 nothing to Vegas. This, regardless of what happens the rest of the way, this has been a pleasure because more than anything, what we see now, you have a quarterback of the future. You have a great head coach. This team plays hard for this man. They love this man. Everything that came down, you know, on Monday night, and obviously that was the major story, and in all of sports with DeMar Hamlin and, you know, reportedly, if you have not heard, a better day today for him. He's he's making strides. He's improving in some areas. So that's obviously great news. But Doug Peterson was on NFL Network this morning. I didn't see it live, obviously, but I went back and, and, I, and I watched it. He's brilliant. He really is. He, he, he never gets too anxious he never gets too upset and you know I I think you got to look at at today's kids and how they're different from when those of us who are older okay maybe you subscribe to the Bill Cower of yelling and spitting or Tom Coughlin like a drill sergeant or Bill I mean you can't do that today you'll lose them okay generations or, or the millennials or whatever they are you, you you can't scold them, okay? You can't be extra aggressive with them. You got to give them days off. You got to have their back. You got to massage them when they make a mistake. Remember Trayvon Walker kept jumping off sides on 15-yard penalties? And yeah, Foyer, Lucon said, I'm not going to say anything to him. And then he does it again next week. And then the week after that, Alokan jumps off sides. Well, guess what? Alokan's leading the NFL again in tackles. He has been absolutely tremendous. Trayvon Walker's trying to get back off that bum ankle. I still don't think they use him the right way, but obviously they're not going to make tremendous changes now with the playoffs a week away and Dewan Smoot no longer here. My point getting things started here is for enjoyment to you, the Jaguar fan. Okay, I really don't care what the players think. I really don't care what the coaching staff thinks. I really don't care what the front office thinks. I care about what you think. And for the first time in a very long period, you need to be nothing short of smiles. 
These days right now for you should be just a blast. These, these minutes should be going by like seconds. These hours should be going by like minutes. It shouldn't be the opposite for you. That's why I'm don't, don't give me up. I, I can't wait until Saturday. Man, enjoy Wednesday. Go out and have some fun with your friends. Come on out and see us tomorrow at Mr. Chubby's from 6 to 8 out in Ponte Vedra. Okay, if you can navigate those tough streets through A1A and maybe through Nocatee, we'd love to see you. We're going to have two-for-one drafts tomorrow night. That includes Miller Lite. We're going to have two-for-one pitchers tomorrow night. That includes Miller Lite. $3 wells, $3 wines, all part of a Thursday night. This should be a nonstop, continuous party for you Jaguar fans. All right, enough of that. Enough of me gushing. But I, I will tell you, and... You know, I think those who have listened to me over the years know that for the most part, when it comes to teams that I like, teams that I cover, uh, particularly with Florida State, I look at things glass half empty. I even felt that way against Oklahoma. And let's be honest, they just they found a way. I mean, they, they tried to lose that game against Oklahoma. They got it done, and you can't take it back, but it, it – there was something wrong, okay? Just like there was something wrong in that win over Florida. If, if Jordan Travis wasn't Superman, Florida goes in there and beats him, okay? And in Oklahoma, I mean, they, they, without their starting back, without both their starting tackles, I, all the problems, that they almost beat him. I mean, Trey Benson next to Jordan Travis is the single biggest reason why Florida State beat Florida. What in the hell was he doing last Thursday night? Looked like he put on 15 pounds. The guy was 30, 30 yards away from, uh, or 35 yards away from 1,000. He put up 25 yards and 13 carries. He looked disinterested. I mean, if I didn't know better, I would, my thought would have been, boy, he's going to the NFL. He's not playing hard tonight. But anyway, they, they found a way. The reason why I'm giving you that analogy is even though I pick Florida State, I was up against it. I was nervous, okay, because that is a program that is on the come, but they still have a lot of holes. This is a different program here in Jacksonville. And the reason why is this. And for those of you who are bringing up 1999 and losing three times to Tennessee, including the AFC Championship game, I get it. I understand it. You can't have it both ways. I brought up how Oklahoma beat them in 81, 79, 81, 2000, 2010, 2011. Old school Florida State fans have always been like, Oklahoma? Oh, boy. Doesn't matter where you play. Here, well, they only played here once, but Norman, uh, Orlando in the Orange Bowl, night, day, morning, after, it doesn't matter. There was the fear factor with the Oklahoma Sooners. That was the case here in 2000, right? Tennessee was a really good football team. You can go down that street, but it was 22 years ago. And you're talking about a program then that was one yard away from winning a Super Bowl, okay? You can't compare that to what you're seeing right now with the Tennessee Titans. Let me give you this before the break. It is just incredible. Look at what Tennessee has done in their last six games. Are you ready for this? They scored 13 points last week against Dallas. 
They scored 14 points the week prior against Houston. They scored 14 points the week prior to that against L.A., that being the Chargers. They got 22 against the Jaguars, but Jacksonville hung 36 on them. All right, And as you know, that game was in Nashville. They put up 10 against Philadelphia, and they put up 16 against Cincinnati. Even with the great King Henry, this team can't score. This team has zero offense. King Henry put up 96 yards in the first quarter, right? They were up 7-0. They were up 14-7. King Henry put up two yards in the second half, okay? Why? Jacksonville made Tennessee one-dimensional. So arguably the best back in the NFL, he got his. He got it early. And you know what? He's going to get his on Saturday night. He's going to get some early. But they can't score. And Jacksonville can. So if Jacksonville can get some stops, or if Jacksonville can force, if it gets into the red zone, if you can you know, limit seven and settle for three, the entire complexion of the football game is going to change. You know, I talked about this briefly last night. And somebody was like, well, no kidding, Derrick Henry only had two yards in the second half. That's because they barely ran him in the second half. Well, that's exactly my point. They changed the landscape of the game by getting out by possessions, forcing Tennessee to become a pass-only offense. You're going to trust Josh Dobbs in Tennessee's passing offense to come in here and win a playoff game? Enjoy the moment, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy this all week long. Your biggest concern right now should be, what time is the playoff game a week from Saturday night? That, folks, is the truth. All right, opening comments brought to you by Schmunez Vision. I mean, how are your eyes? I mean, if you're going to be, I mean, everyone needs tickets now, right? If you're up in the nosebleeds, you're somewhere, you don't know what's going on, you can't see, it's never too late to make an appointment right now at Schmunez Vision. Uh, I've known Dr. Neil Schmunez since I got back into Jacksonville in 2006. They're a family organization. They focus on personal, high-quality medical and surgical eye care. Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship trained in cornea, cataract surgery, all refractive surgery. Imagine having laser eye surgery and never having to deal with readers again, contacts, sleeping in your contacts, glasses, trying to find them. Is there anything more painful than looking for your glasses, especially early in the morning or regardless of what the situation uh, could be? Make an appointment today, 299-2906, or call Schmunez Vision. Uh, Again, at that number, 299-2906, or check them out online, schmunezvision.com. Care, you can see. I need to towel off. I'm excited in this studio. Are we on YouTube tonight? The people can actually see me you sweat right now. You can see Rick Ballou towel off during the commercial break. If you go to 1010XL's YouTube page, we'll be the first video. We're live. Give us a click. Share us with your friends. YouTube is there. The text line at 641-1010 brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures is there. Twitter, Ballou1010XL is there. Jaguars on their way to the playoffs. We are T minus three days away. 
Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I got a good text here from the uh, 1675 saying, Ballou, any way that you could change? Actually, that was a 7005. It says, any way you could change your Mr. Chubby shows from Thursday nights to another night? Uh, that's not the worst idea I've ever heard. Let me uh, let me run it through one of my several bosses here and see what we can come up with. I it's not my account. I love it over there. I'm you, you know how we are. We're like rubber arm 1970s. You're like Raleigh fingers with that stash. Thank you. Um, it doesn't have the curl up. I gotta know, work on that. Uh, let me go with um. I got a little Amish in me. Let me go with like Jim Corn. Mm. Okay, remember when he was closing? I don't for, know for him. the Texas Rangers. <laughs> All right, I gotta look so, him so, up. Something like that. Um, you know, during football, we're on three to six. We're on four nights a week, six to eight. I'm on off the helmets and heels. To, just tell me when and where, and I'm ready to go without complaint. We kind of just do what we're told, right? So maybe I can ask that. Yeah, can we do it some other nights or some stuff like that? Not the worst idea. Oh, Jim Kern, I like his look. <clears throat> Did I say corn? Yeah. Jim Kern, my, my bad. K-E-R. Yeah, I like his look. Oh, he had a, he he was like, had an Oscar Gamble type look. He look. has the sideburns too, those mm-hmm. mutton chops. I've never been able to do the sideburns. I've never been able to do anything with hair. Uh, I don't have any hair on my body. I, I get mm. asked all the time, you know, do I shave my legs and stuff like that? It's just, no, I'm blonde. I, I, I just don't have any... Uh, you're just a smooth bodily hair. Well, that's why man. women. That's why women love me. I mean, all types, all shapes, all sizes. They they find me so cuddly because I don't have any body hair. It's a true story. I'm also not a hairy. I don't. My arm hair. It's it's almost non-existent. Who the hell really likes hair? Women like guys. They tell you the older you get, you know. See, guys get better looking the older they get. Yes, they become more distinguished. They become more set in their ways. I wish I could say the same for you ladies. Yeah, well, listen, there are beautiful women, absolutely, but, uh, you know, I think most women would much rather still be in their, you know, their teens or their 20s. Of course they would. Where guys like us are kind of like, hey, this is what you get. Deal and with it. it but, but there's something, um, there's something uh, wily there. There's something impressive there uh, with, with men, but... For women out there, how can you like a hairy guy? That's just gross. I mean, when I used to take my kids swimming all the time at like Bartram Springs, there's three pools there, and you see these guys with like super hairy chest, with back guy, hair, yeah. and all, it like it's like you know, yet if like a two year old, like one little sliver of of urine comes out of their diaper, it's like. Shut down the pool for the next six days. Oh, my God. And then you got some 300-pound, totally bald guy who's got hair on his shoulders, his arms, his back. He's got hair in places where you're not supposed to have hair. Dude. And he's shedding. And it's like, oh, that's no big deal. I Good to see you, sir. I've been scarred for life since an incident that happened to me at an outlet mall in Orlando when I was like 10. A guy, it's the summertime, we're in the Nike store. He's so sweaty, you know, we're walking around outside. It's got to be 90 degrees. He takes his shirt off in the store, 
takes her shirt off the rack to try on, puts it on, takes it off, puts it back on the rack. Didn't fit him. What's the movie? I, I still see <laughs> yeah. it to this day. What's the movie? Is it an Adam Sandler movie? Oh, or is yeah. it Chris Farley? Oh, yeah. Polly. That's it. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, rest in peace, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, he is so good. when he, he is good. White chocolate? He plays like his friend, and they're playing a pickup game of basketball. He's got yeah. those old school sweatpants on up over his <laughs> belly button. He has got absolutely he's got no game. And he calls himself white chocolate. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I uh, I tell you what else is great. And 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 I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting some people here that I believe are seeing the light. It, this is exactly what I want. Listen up. Are you ready? This is on the text line, 1675. It says, damn truth teller. I wouldn't say I was nervous about this game, but I definitely had a healthy amount of respect knowing what could possibly happen if things don't go as planned. But after that intro, you got me feeling like this is a done deal. And to be honest, I think I am all of a sudden going to start to enjoy the moment a little more and look forward to finishing off this bunch once and for all. There you go. You're welcome, sir. That's what I'm attempting to do. And believe it or not, I'm totally egoless in this. If they win, I don't expect anything. If they lose, I'm also setting myself up to become Duval's punching bag. If you want to blame me and say that I jinxed it or say that I was too confident as if, yeah, all 53 members of the Tennessee Titans right now, they're out of practice, they're glued in to 1010XL and 92.5 FM because they can't wait to hear what I'm saying, or it's having an effect on any one of these Jaguar players who are driving home that they're, they're plugged in and they're like, damn, man, Baloo says all they got to do is show up and win. You know, done deal. If you want to play that rule, and that's fine, and they don't win, blame me. You can blame me. You can do whatever you want. I've never been so confident. You know what this game reminds me of? It was the one year... Florida State sucked so bad. It was one of the Tebow years, one of the national title years. I don't know if it was, it was probably 2008. And it was the first time in my life, my old buddy Vic, who owned Chicago Pizzas here in town. Vic now is out in the uh, Dominican Republic and uh, has a restaurant there. And I haven't been out there in a few years to play golf with him because of COVID. He also owns one in Atlanta. But he lived out of Hammock Beach. That beautiful golf course right on, the, not the conservatory, but the other one. I think it's just called Hammock Beach in Palm Coast. And that is when I was, man, I think I was doing like, uh, I think I was like nine, like 10 to 1 or 9 to 12 um, by myself. And then McManus and I did a show for like a year. It was Donna, Donna Baloo Murphy. I can't even remember. It, it, it was so long ago. But, oh, yeah, it must have been 2008 because I was going through a, divorce so you know I was absolutely just like any man with Florida law which sucks for men it just don't get married okay do not get married if you are a man in this state you're gonna unless 
she's the one or he's the one, whatever, okay? Because you are going to get absolutely crushed if you get divorced. And wait till you get to, um, uh, you know, getting time with your kids. But anyway, I was really hitting the bottle hard during those years. So I would get out of there, like what, noon or 1 o'clock and go off to Hammock Beach and, and play golf with them three or four days a week. And Florida State was so bad and Florida was so good. It's the only time in my life since I was a freshman in 1987 that I teed off during that game. I said, I'm not even going to watch. And I never watched one snap. And I never do that. You know, for those who I, I watch Georgia every week. I watch Florida. I watch Florida State. I watch Miami. Obviously, I watched Jacksonville. I, I was so sure that it was going to be a woodshed game that I went and played golf at Hammock Beach. I didn't even watch it. That's the way I feel about this game here. But it's the opposite side. Jacksonville in a dominant fashion against Tennessee. All right, let's check the money. Let's do that right now. Have you ever had a game like that where you just knew it wasn't even worth watching before I get to the Philly Godfather? Not with the Jags. Well, the Jags have been the other way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely I felt like that against the Jags. Right. Many a day. But, no, I, I – since I've been living here, which is like eight years, this is as confident as I've ever been that the Jags are going to pull off a victory. Yep. All right, let's get to the Philly Godfather. We'll see if he's got uh, numbers as far as where the money's going and where, you know, the the actual uh, sheets are going, where the, uh, you know, the tabs are going. And, you know, that can be a little bit confusing as well because you can have more bets that are coming in on a team, but they can be, you know, $10 bets. And then you have a sharp who comes in and he drops two hundred and fifty thousand on it. So to me, the money has always been more important than the actual bets. But on the flip side of the bets, those who gamble for a living will tell you you're going to have most of your success betting against the general public. I know it's Wednesday, so we don't have a great measure on it yet. Uh, but let's get the very latest. Let's do that with the Philly Godfather. We'll also take a look at the national championship game coming up on Monday. A couple of other key games in the NFL as well. All of that as we go into the night with Rick Ballew. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. It was a tough year for the five boroughs out of New York, right? We lost Henry Hill, Ray Liotta. We lost uh, Sonny Corleone. The great uh, James Kahn. Down the road, there's uh, Bruce Springsteen wrote about it as well, talking about the chicken man and uh, who died in Philly. Last night, let's bring in the Philadelphia Godfather, who joins Rick Ballou. Happy New Year, Philly Godfather. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me on. You're making me a little nervous, Rick. You're making me a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should. I, I guess I should have checked with you. Is, is part two of the uh, Netflix special coming up? <laughs> not yet, not yet. Yeah. But I, I have been watching The Offer, uh, which talks about the making of The Godfather, which is actually pretty good. Yeah, because kind of lost in all that, that whole stuff, and they use Pittsburgh, but that's the whole Henry Hill going to Boston College, that whole point-shaving scandal. Yeah, a lot of fixing going on back in the set. Yep, no doubt about it. All right, what's going on 
with let's get straight to it. Jacksonville and Tennessee. Uh, it, it appears, unless I'm seeing this wrong, looks like there's some early money here on Tennessee. I saw a seven and a six and a half. I'm looking at a six now. What's the latest on this game Saturday night? Yeah, if you're looking to take the road dog here, you missed the boat because it opened up seven. It's down to six, six even money in some places. I just, it's hard for me to to fathom that you know sharp money's on this tight team. I'm thinking it's a little bit of market manipulation because Trevor Lawrence and the Jags are clicking on all cylinders. I mean, he's playing some of the best stretch of football in his career. While we all know the Titans are hanging on by a thread, I mean, the team's devastated with injuries, and they're going to be sending out journeyman uh, Dobbs out there against a pretty good defense. Uh, obviously, the game plan is going to be run Derrick Henry as much as possible, field position, try to win time of possession. But this Titans team ranks 26th in the league in time of possession this year. So it's going to be tough against the Jaguars defense that ranks uh, 7th in opponent yards for rush attempt. I know Henry had uh, 121 yards last time they played rushing, uh, but the Titans turned the ball over four times and the Jags beat them. But this time you got no Tannehill. This is tough, man. If you didn't get that key number on the dog, I suggest you wait and see how low this line goes. And I'm actually waiting patiently. I'm looking for to jump on the Jags at a better number than six, uh, but I'll be impatient. Yeah, you know, I I do wonder if there's a big splash here. You know, with uh, with sharp money, it's it's intriguing because. Tennessee got the three extra days, but they also rested so many of their key players. They legitimately get 14 days off, and then Jacksonville gets bumped up a day from a Sunday game to a Saturday night game. So what do you believe is going to happen there? Do you think some comes in late? Do you think it comes in maybe tomorrow when they have a better understanding as to who's going to play and who's not going to play? Yeah, absolutely, because you got the Jags cornerback didn't practice, uh, Harris. Uh, their outside linebacker, he didn't practice. A bunch of guys were limited in practice. So this Titans team is all banged up. I mean, even Traylon Burks, he was limited in practice. I mean, from the offensive to the defensive side, and Derrick Henry's nursing a hip, even though he was a full participant. These guys are banged up for this Titans team. And I think they know the end is near, and they're not going to make the playoffs this year. And the Jacks are just the better team late. I mean, they've beaten two quality teams this year, the Cowboys and the Chargers, and they've lost three or four games by uh, one touchdown or less to the Jags this year. So I think they're the much better team. If you look at their point differential, I think they're at plus 50. The Jags are uh, Tennessee's at minus 57. The Jags are just the better team at home with more rest, healthier team. It's hard for me to nibble on uh, the dog, road dog. And you know I love taking yep. dogs, but. I'm going to wait and see how low this line gets. I, I think they're 29th to 30th in the NFL, but during their six-game losing streak, Tennessee has become the worst-scoring offense in pro football. With that said, do you do you have a feel either way on the total? Actually, it's a, I think it opened up 30 and a half. I'm looking on the screen right now. Yeah, it opened up 30 and a half, and it's up to 40. So someone's betting the over out there. I'm not looking to jump on the over uh, with the way Tennessee's offense has been you know, lethargic, so I'm not looking to bet that. All right, let's continue on. Uh, obviously, you know, Cincinnati, we all are aware of what happened on on Monday night. And all of a sudden, you got a huge game here with, with Baltimore and Cincinnati. Uh, what do you make of this game? And, you know, Doug Peterson talked to his team about this yesterday. Every NFL coach around the league is talking to their players about this. But when you're directly affected the way Cincinnati was on the field does that have any bearing, in your opinion, when they play this game coming up on Sunday? I mean, they are professionals, but it has to. I mean, it's like one of the first times since, I think, early 70s, something like that happened on a football field. And as of right now, the Ravens don't know what they have to play for or not play for if that game gets suspended, if they just 
tie. Uh, there's no Lamar Jackson in this game. I, I just don't know how it's going to affect, you know, the players on the field. It's so hard to quantify, you know, but they are professionals, and, you know, they're getting paid millions of dollars to go out there and play, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Uh, so is is this a just leave it alone type of game? I mean, Lamar, Lamar Jackson ain't playing. Uh, he hasn't played in weeks. I think you got to love Cincinnati here. I mean, the Ravens' offense is very limited in what it can do offensively. They're averaging, I think, 11.6 points per game without Jackson. Uh, onto the center, and you're going up against a Bengals offense that can put up points in a flurry. I mean, this team can score. They look like they're rocking. They look like they're, you know, headed to the Super Bowl like they were last year. That's how good this Bengals team looks all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, normally lane seven against a division rival is really tough, but this is a revenge game. The Ravens beat him last time, 1917. And unless Lamar Jackson suits up, Yep. I just can't see the Ravens scoring enough to keep up with this uh, Bengals team. Yep. Seven points. Uh, the Bengals 5-1 and one at home. Baltimore, pretty good road team this year. A lot of that with uh, Lamar Jackson, 5-3 and three away from Baltimore. All right, Philly Godfather, let our listeners know how they can get a hold of your website as well as your Twitter feed. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Philly Godfather. You can stop by the phillygodfather.com. All right, let's get to Detroit and Green Bay, another divisional matchup. I love these divisional matchups at the – End of the year. Boy, Green Bay right there with Jacksonville. They have totally turned around their season. Yeah, I'm loving it even more than you are because back on December, I think it was 7th, I took the Lions at 7-1 to make the playoffs. And then on the 20th of December, I took the Packers at 9-1 to make the playoffs. And I took a flyer on them at 80-1 to win the NFC. So I hope Seattle doesn't ruin uh, my parade here. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I mean, what a way to end the NFL season. I mean, you got a division rivalry game on Sunday night with major playoff implications. Uh, I mean, the Packers opened up at Lambeau three and a half. It's up to four and a half where it currently sits. The total opened up on that key number of 47, and they're expecting a ton of points in this one. It's up to 49. I mean, don't be surprised if this game closes 50-51 by kickoff. The last time these two teams played, if you remember, the Lions won 15-9, but the huge difference in that game was Rodgers had three interceptions, and the Packers had two turnovers downs, which even for you know Aaron Rodgers... It's uncharacteristic. It's hard to come back from that. Uh, he had a major, uh, he had a major bad game there. His hand was banged up. <sighs> I mean, it depends. If Seattle wins, what does Detroit have to play for? If the Rams somehow upset Seattle, I'll mm-hmm. probably be looking to take Detroit plus four and a half. Here. I think it's going to be a close game. Interesting, because you know, obviously, we saw what Minnesota did on opening day. They pounded Green Bay. Then. Green Bay just destroyed the Vikings last week, and and you mentioned the Lions. They got them early, and and uh, you know the feeling would probably be you know you you like Green Bay to uh, be able to uh, uh, hold serve here at night at Lambeau, uh, but you may go with the dog, which is uh, which is pretty intriguing. All right, let's wrap it up with yeah, my gosh, Monday night. Um, here we go, TCU in Georgia and I, I know we can make this case for any game but you know just watching the semifinals and and seeing the officiating whether it's missed touchdowns targetings just mistake after mistake in such e- an enormous platform which you know Ohio State is crying about it and a lot of people are happy that they're crying about it but it you know you 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 understand Philly Godfather it, it, the officiating is affecting where the money is going yeah absolutely a lot of bad calls in the NFL and college football this year in big games in major moments that has really dictated who won the game who covered the spread and which way the total went whether it was over and under this game here opened up 13 and a half and we quickly saw some sharp money 
jump on the dog. It's down to 12 and a half. Uh, I mean, TCU shocked a lot of people last week by winning by as an eight-point underdog against uh, Michigan. And, yeah, Georgia narrowly escaped Ohio State with a win, but the glaring difference is Georgia has a much better red zone defense than Michigan, coming in ranked second in the uh, nation in opponent red zone scoring percentage. Another one of those glaring differences is offensive line play. I mean, when we look at Georgia's offense and their quarterback uh, sack percentage, Georgia's ranked, I think, fourth best in the nation. Uh, their offensive line, yeah, their offensive line is ranked fourth best in the nation. So whenever you have to handicap these games, you've got to look at the lines on the offensive line, defensive line. And TCU is a great story. Uh, it's a big number, though. I mean, it's almost 14 points. I played Georgia uh, in the first half. I laid uh, six with Georgia in the first half. You can lay six and a half, and now they're going to come out like gangbusters. Michigan got punched in the face, and they couldn't recover. Uh, but I think this Georgia team is a little stronger than Michigan. And uh, eventually, I think they're going to wear it down TCU. And I kind of like Georgia here. Yeah, I do as well, you know, unless you just have an incredible effort. You know, the very talented um, uh, passing offense with uh, wide receivers, but mentioned quite a bit here, possibly coming to Jacksonville. Well, that was about a month or so ago, but Jacksonville keeps winning. So, obviously, they're moving down in the draft order. He's going to be long gone. All right, Philly Godfather, as we say goodbye, uh, once again, please give your information out there to our listening audience. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Philly Godfather and stop by the phillygodfather.com. Best of luck, Philly Godfather. Thank you, sir. Good luck. Quentin Johnston is the guy. Six receptions, 163 yards. Just a flat burner. 6'4", 215. Probably the highest ranked wide receiver. And Max Dugan. Yeah, I mean, TCU ran it for 263 yards at Michigan. And that's Big Ten football, as you know. That's run and stop the run, traditionally. You're not going to be able to do that against Georgia. And I also believe that Georgia is going to have a lead in this game, so you're going to have to change the overall landscape of TCU. You look at this contest in a one-possession game. TCU ran it 41 times. They passed it 29 times. Okay? That's pretty remarkable. Let me look back here at um, at Georgia a little bit. And we understand that Georgia, you know, absolutely had to come from behind uh, in this victory against Ohio State. Let me find the numbers for you. Where in the heck? Did, all right, here we go. Uh, let's see here. Georgia passed it 34, or excuse me, passed it 34 times, 23 of 34. Both Stroud and Bennett were 23 of 34. Okay. A lot of Georgia fans were saying Bennett had to get – that's why Twitter is undefeated. Again, Rocky Marciano. Uh, who else is Boy. undefeated? Yeah, Floyd Mayweather. Okay, I'll give you that. I thought Andre the Giant was like at one point oh, wow. close to being uh, undefeated. Well, no, I looked up like his all-time winning percentage, and it's it's really bad. It's like – you know, Andre used to twenty one f- wins and twenty three <clears throat> losses. That's only in WWF. What is it? One twenty one and twenty three. Compare that to like Goldberg. I think Goldberg has like the highest winning percentage in the history of the uh, the WWE. And you know, the reason why I'm going there is because that stuff's real. Yeah, Goldberg was one hundred and seventy three and zero. Yeah. Oh, uh, that was his streak. 
It ended after 140 or 74 days as champion when he lost the title to Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, Ooh. disguised as a ringside security guard who made a run in and shocked oh. Goldberg with a taser. Bro, Hall could sell anything. Hall, Bro, Hall could. I love WCW. Hall could do anything. And we lost him last yeah, year, too. Yeah, we did. And you forgot Paulie Walnuts when you were going over your uh, list of gangster-affiliated people. I did. I just had a little problem with his wings. Yeah, but... Can you can you be a tough guy with wings? And, like, the way he holds his hands all the time. He's but apparently he character. was, like, a real mob figure. Oh, the actor? He actually... Whoa. Google him. What's his name again? He, I, he, he was out. behind bars for a number of years. Uh... Stetson Bennett, 23 of 44. Georgia ran it 26 times for 135 yards. If I was to give you some splits here and look at the second half, my guess would be they ran it uh, far more in the first half than they did in the second half. But obviously, Georgia outscored Ohio State 18-3 to in the final 15 minutes of play. Uh, Tony Sirico. Okay. And he... According to court transcript, okay, so he did 20 months at Sing Sing. Oh, my God. Which is uh, a famous prison in New York. He was like a leg breaker, though, right? I, I think he was. I think he was a tough oh, back I'm in sure. the day. Yeah. Running numbers. Yeah, and he was arrested 28 times. Shylocking. Assault, robbery. Yeah. Before taking up acting, of course. So he, so he did a dime, but he was out in 20 months. <laughs> That's probably what happened. All right. Speaking of guys who have done time, <clears throat> never mind. Let's um, let's stay with the Jacks. Why don't we do that, Mister O? He is up next. John Osier, senior writer. He's got a good prison story. Jaguars. If there's one guy that I can think of that has good prison stories, I got to say it's Johnny Osier. Yeah, no doubt about it. Senior writer, Jaguars dot com. He joins us next, as he does each and every week, right here at 7 o'clock on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Tomorrow night, Mr. Chubby's Wings. Hanavidra, six day. Come on out. This party continues. Jaguar fans, right now. The holiday continues. The holidays. I was watching some movie across the pond the other night, and they called it a holiday. I know it's in the Fleetwood Mac book that I'm reading. I got a story for you after John Osher. I need to bring in our guest. He's very important. But remind me after the conversation to tell you what. Uh, Mick Fleetwood said in his book about the drug cocaine. Can you do that? I will. You should keep it right here. I mean, first I've got John Osher, then I got a huge tease after Johnny. Let's bring him in, senior writer, Jaguars.com. John Osher, happy new year. Hey, I'll be honest with you, Rick. I, I, uh, Mick Fleetwood on cocaine <laughs> is better than anything John Osher <laughs> on the Jags has had gone. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, I was going to say that. All right. I, well, I'll give it to you. I, he said he was such a cocaine freak for 20-plus years. This is from his autobiography. He said he spent $60 million on cocaine. And that if you were to pour out an average cocaine snorting line and have it go from one place to another, 
he has snorted seven miles worth of cocaine. Wow. <laughs> like the Great Wall of China's worth. <laughs> seven miles, man. <laughs> that's from he got that's from here to the stadium. That's from now. That's, that's just an estimate, folks. <laughs> The seventies were a different time. Oh my gosh, unbelievable! You know, I I, I want to skip Houston because I I'm so fired up. This first sure. of all, this is such a great, and you know, we we've known each other forever, but I I've always looked at it. I know how people do their job in this business, but I I always have that side where I try to speak as to what I think the fans. Are really feeling and and my whole approach this week is man enjoy this don't don't yeah. be so quick to get to Saturday night enjoy your Wednesday enjoy your Thursday enjoy your, enjoy all of this relish in it because this is really incredible as to what is going on yeah and you know I hope this is taken right um, this really is in a sense it, the first part's obvious it's a playoff game. Um, but the second part is, you know, they had to earn this playoff game, if you will. I mean, you're you're two and six. Nobody thought it was going to happen. So, in a sense, the last six games have set up this first playoff game, and, and I hope fans can sort of embrace that. And, and you know, win or lose on on Saturday, uh, where. Because of where they've come from, I don't think I would feel this way next year, for example. But because of where they've come from, because of the improvements that they've made, because of what they've built, uh, it, in a sense, this feels like a bonus to me, the fact that they're there. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, uh, they've also earned the other side of the coin, which is expectations, disappointment if you lose. They're not going to sit there and say, oh, well, it was a bonus. You know, well, but you follow what I'm saying. From oh, a yeah. fan's point of view, from a from a franchise point of view, uh, this is almost almost gravy in a way of, wow, this is really happening. How cool is that? Yeah. Now, all that being said, you know, when you're in this situation, there's also the pressure, the expectations. So it's all mixed up into one, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's been a battle of emotions for Jaguar fans. I mean, two and six, and then you get just, you know, shredded in Detroit. And I'll raise my hand. I, I thought so many things were done with this football team, and then they just found a way to completely turn it around. It, it's just amazing to me. Uh, this Tennessee team, I, I think they're cooked. They've lost six in a row. They can't do anything. They're beaten up. Um you know, it's all about the king. It's all about Derrick Henry, who's not a hundred percent himself. And I think it's, you know, I think it's pretty simple. It is a difficult chore to do, but if you can slow down Derrick Henry, Jacksonville wins this game in a route, in my opinion. Yeah, I think they're cooked in in one sense. Uh, and again, I hope to say this right. If you if if you can slow down Henry and get a lead then I think you can turn it into a game much like the last two games where you just felt like, okay, now they're one-dimensional. You have a young quarterback. Everything on paper says that you ought to be able to do that. It's also the NFL, which means 
if Tennessee stays in it, if it's a 7-3 game at halftime, these guys have been there before. There's players. You can go make plays. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. I'm anticipating a close game just because when everything's on the line like this and you've got a team in Tennessee that's got a lot of players who have been there, they figure out a way to make it tough. So, um, you know, that's what I'm anticipating. But I hear what you're saying. It, as I said on our Huddle Up podcast today, there are matchups in this game that if the Jaguars can get to them and take advantage of them, you ought to be able to take advantage of and go in the game, meaning the quarterback, meaning some of the injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it's sometimes hard to get to those matchups when you got a guy like Derrick Henry on the other side of the ball. Right. I'm amazed, John. John Osher, I guess. You can get everything with John and his staff. Just go to jaguars.com. Of course, John Osher is the senior writer. I'm amazed by contributions from players that, you know, I, I'll just use myself that I, I think I gave up on. Caleb on chase on. You sit yeah. down Trey Herndon for a couple of weeks. All of a sudden, he comes back. You, you know, I, I was playing the coach on the radio and saying, why isn't Darius Williams on the outside? They, they move him. You see what he's done. Uh, it's just one after another. You know, Jamichael Hasty. all of a sudden, when they use him in games, finds ways to, to make plays. And I, I understand it's coaching, and I understand it's pushing the right buttons, but, John, it just feels – Jeremiah Ledbetter. I mean, guy, Corey Peters, guys who give uh, are given an opportunity, even with a small snap count, have contributed to this football team. Well, when things start – when things start going well, that's what starts to happen. Um, you know, and my first thought is to say, well, when you got a good quarterback playing, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden everybody else's contributions look like winning contributions because you're winning. Uh, but I don't know if it's as simple as that because it's not like the last two weeks this has been a quarterback-centric team necessarily. You know, and I think it's a good sign for this team. Uh They've won in some pretty significantly different ways the last four weeks. You know, you came back on Tennessee and then pulled away with Trevor just play and lights out. Then you came back on Dallas where he made a pretty key mistake and you overcame it for him. And in the last two weeks, you've been methodical against, you know, teams without man quarterback. Uh, So it it has been remarkable. The thing that I kept uh, talking about this week, Rick, is, what an incredible free agency class it's been, which sort of ties into what you're saying. How many times with this franchise have we sat in, in press conferences at the bank in March and written and talked about the six-person free agency classes and been excited about it, and then by December, some of the guys you couldn't wait to be out the door? Oh, yeah. Well, this one you're talking about, Ingram, Kirk, Arden Keyes, Foye. Even in the last couple of weeks, Darius Williams, Foley Fadakasi, uh, you know, Zay Jones. You're talking about guys, you make a strong argument, have been the core of this thing outside Trevor, Brandon Sheriff. That never happens in the NFL that fast. And that's a pretty remarkable thing. I think it sort of speaks to what you're saying. So many contributions from so many guys. Uh, it's just one of those seasons where it's all come together. Yeah, and it, it was really interesting because, you know, along with you, I I was at all of those preseason free agency and draft pick press conferences, and 
character really oozed. You could there wasn't one yeah. guy where you could point out and say, "Well, this ought to be interesting. This thing could blow up at any moment." And you know, regardless of what happens on Saturday, and for the record, I I, I think Jacksonville wins this game big. The fact that they came back after a five-game yeah. losing streak and went through a bye and then got blown out in Detroit and still down 17 nothing and you know down 27-10 against Dallas it kept finding ways to fight is just incredibly encouraging and and frankly it's it, even today it's 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 shocking to me i never thought that they could get to this point yeah and you know i think it speaks to again go back to that free agency class cuz it's sort of been something i've been thinking about this week they did a nice job putting together this team of guys who uh, of focusing on that and getting the right balance of character and production and frankly of guys who can stay on the field. You know, it's, it's one to go and it's one to go out and get guys who have names. It's another thing to go out and get guys who are at the stage of their careers and who've been healthy and to sort of have an eye on, how it's really going to turn out and how it's going to look in March. Um, so I think all that sort of is combined. I don't know how to explain how you come back in the way they've come back. And uh, some of that's a little bit of luck. Uh, I think Dallas and Baltimore, you have to get, you have to have good fortune to win those games. Hmm. But at the same time, once you get those, now all of a sudden, uh, Bucky Brooks made the point of the Huddle Up podcast. Their improvement over the last four weeks has been remarkable. I mean, winning games 19-3 to and 31-3, yes, they've been outmanned teams and quarterbacks who have been deficient, but they weren't beating those quarterbacks last year. Oh, yeah, no yeah, doubt. You, you, they were getting beat by those guys. Right. And, and, and to be putting away games all of a sudden, uh, I kept saying it after the Jets game in the, in the Houston game, and I wasn't alone. Yes, they were out. Yes, the opponents were outmanned in these situations, but these methodical wins against outmanned teams—that's what good teams do. And all of a sudden, this team's good. They haven't allowed a touchdown in two games. They've allowed field goals, kind of like what the Gators did in their bowl game with like 30 seconds left. They kicked the field goal so they can get shut out. You know what I love? <laughs> I love that somehow when it's a Jags conversation. The Noel guy figures out a way to get ah! it. <laughs> that's, that's why you're a pro. Right? Hey, man, it's been a long time. So, you know, it's <laughs> it's uh, I'm having fun right now, but um, you know how things go. And, uh, hey, it's going to be a blast. I'll see you out there on Saturday night, John. Thanks as always. All right. Thanks, Rick. Always enjoy it. There he goes. John Osher, senior writer, Jaguars.com. When's the last time Jacksonville has gone consecutive games without allowing a touchdown? Okay, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they've won four in a row for the first time since, what, 2017. Um, I got to imagine that would have been the year. And, and even 2017 was a little bit sideways, right? I mean, they were 10-6, and six, but they lost their last two regular season games before they knocked off Buffalo and Pittsburgh and before he ended up getting to, uh, to Foxborough. Uh, playing for the AFC Championship So they beat game. Cincinnati, or they beat Indianapolis 27-0, and then they beat Cincinnati 23-7 to the next week. So 
They did give up a touchdown, but only one in two weeks in that 2017 season. Okay. Very good. Um, I'm I'm looking back now because, you know, they shut out the Colts, and then they allow one touchdown against L.A. Uh, oh, man, they lost 13. Say, See, this is – it's just fascinating to me because, you know, we're – and this is why I love pro football, okay? I love college, too, but this is the reason why I love pro football is that it is such a battle of of week-to-week and attrition about being able to move on from a loss and not letting it affect you the next week. Can you imagine if Urban Meyer was the coach of this team and you lost five straight? I mean, they should have beaten Washington. On opening day. We remember all the problems. Trevor missing open guys. Travis Etienne dropping the ball. The, 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 you know, up 14 nothing in Philly. And you got a 51-yard field goal. They go for it on fourth and two. Remember early on the season how we were always questioning Doug Peterson about going for it on fourth down? And what he said to his team then, even in a losing scenario, his message was this. I'm going to try to put you guys in a position to win. You know, a lot of these players, want, especially the offensive guys, I was watching a tape today. It was Mariucci defensively, and it was uh, Holmgren offensively. Uh, fourth and two, uh, Favre handed it off. I don't remember who the back was. And then he threw a, uh, a pass down the left sideline, did, did Lord Favre. But Lord Favre was screaming. And when Lord Favre score, you know, when, when Lord Favre screams, I don't care who you are, you let him go back out there and, and, and run a play, that's what Doug Peterson said to his team. We're going to do whatever it takes to win. They should have won that game against D.C. They should have won that game against Philadelphia. They should have won that game, the mistake made by Trevor Lawrence at goal line. I mean, m- remember how, how bad that was? And, he made a mistake a couple weeks later. Well, it was Denver, right? Wasn't it in London when he made yeah, the, the other? Yeah, he made the other red zone. Not even red zone. It was goal line. And he's still going to make mistakes. You know, he had the big fumble the other night um, against Dallas. Or the, you know, and, and Mike McCarthy didn't. There's the difference right there. Mike McCarthy, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson tries to win games. Mike McCarthy, after Trevor's fumble, had it first and 10 with a minute 43 to go, and he ran two incredibly predictable running plays that picked up no yards. Jacksonville burnt both timeouts, and then it came down to, are they going to run another play? Jacksonville burns its final timeout. Are they going to try to move the sticks? You know, he threw a ridiculous 40-yard pass. It, It was not good coaching by Mike McCarthy. It was not good coaching by offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. So, I need to take a break here. Um, and we'll get to you on the the other side. But um, that is the latest there. All right, uh, let's take a look at what is on tap. Uh, let's also give you the injury report. It has now been officially updated on this Wednesday. Remember, we had one on Tuesday because the game is being played on Saturday night. And I also want to grab some of your feedback. The best way 
that we are getting it tonight is on the text line. That is 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. We'll get to some of your thoughts on the other side. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Two one drafts, two one pitchers tomorrow night live from Mr. Chubby's Wings, where typically there's about 80 ladies in there and about a half dozen guys. They all come to see Graham Marsh. True story. Hey, I, I know you don't love this stat, but it's going to work again. For the 18th time in 20 years, a team that finished last in their division is going to finish first in a division. Last year, the Jets were last in the East. They are last right now in the East. Last year, Baltimore and Cleveland were last in the North. Right now, Baltimore is a game, well, a game and a half behind Cincinnati because obviously Cincinnati did not play on Monday night. Uh, but they're a playoff team, and either one of those teams could end up here, particularly Baltimore. Jacksonville, last place last year in the AFC South. They are in first place right now with a one-game lead over Tennessee. Obviously, they have to win to get in and to also get to 9-8. and eight. Denver stays the same, the worst team in the West, the New York Giants. Last a year ago, they actually have a two-game lead right now over Washington, Philly, and Dallas, both double-digit wins in the NFC. Uh, Let's see. The North. Last year, last place team was Detroit. They're 8-8. They're right there with Green Bay. It's incredible. Minnesota 12-4. Green Bay's scary right now. I mean, they are. All of a sudden, you look at some of these teams like Jacksonville and Green Bay, uh, Detroit lost a little bit of fire lately, but, I mean, you saw what they were all about a couple of weeks ago. Carolina lost last year. They're still last this year. They're with that Atlanta, you know, Tampa 8-8. Eight and eight. Showed a little bit of life. T- Tampa's a divisional leader with a point differential of minus 32. Minnesota's a divisional leader with a point differential of minus 19. Okay. And they have a lot of wins. Mm-hmm. Like Tampa only has like eight wins or something. Yeah. You know, Minnesota and a few of their law. I mean, Minnesota's 12 and four, but they've been blown out in some games. Oh, yeah. And they've won close games. last week. Uh, the Philly Godfather mentioned it uh, earlier, or I guess late last hour, but Jacksonville is plus 50 in point differential, points four as opposed to points allowed. Tennessee is minus 57. There's a difference of 157 points scored between these two teams. And you give it the home crowd, which I'm going to talk about here in a second. San Francisco, uh, it was Seattle, a bottom feeder a year ago. They got it up to 8-8 eight and eight this year. Arizona is at the bottom, 4-12. So, if history repeats itself, that means one of these teams will win the division next year. Jets? Mm-mm. Cleveland, eh, I got to believe right now it's all about Cincinnati. But, you know, Lamar Jackson's going to be a free agent or can be a uh, a free agent. Houston, uh-uh. Denver, <laughs> I mean, 
Not with the Chiefs. Denver, I mean, could could Sean Payton, could Jim, uh, you know, Harbaugh? No, you're right. It's it's Kansas City. And that is a brutal division, even though the Raiders have struggled this year. Uh, the Commanders, I don't know. I mean, they're going back and forth. It's, Sam Howell is actually going to get an opportunity this weekend. The Bears, you know, I like Justin Fields. He's not going to play this weekend. I think it's going to be the former young man – uh, from here, out of Jacksonville, who is going to get that opportunity? Uh, Nathan Peterman, I believe he is from here. Yeah, right. Did he play at at Vanderbilt? Or? Yeah, he, uh, I don't know about that. Tennessee? No, he went Tennessee then Pitt. Yep, he's from Jax. Yep, he is a Jacksonville kid. He's going to get an opportunity. He spent Bartram, uh, Bartram Trail. I think he had a start here for Buffalo. Right? Didn't, did, did Peterman start against the Absolutely. Jags? He started, oh, I don't know if it was against the Jags, but he started a few games for the Bills. Who started that playoff game in 2018? Was it, was it maybe, <sighs> was it Peterman who got the yes. playoff game in in 2000? Oh, so, no, he played, but he didn't start. He was one of three. He was one of game. three. All right. See if you can find out who the starting quarterback that day was for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, we want to know. That's the last time there was a home playoff game. All right, so the Bills came out with none other than Tyrod Taylor. Ah, okay. So, yeah, Peterman will start. He he had uh, two years in Buffalo, two years in Vegas, and this year. Oh, my God, Blake's numbers that game? <laughs> 12 of 23 with 87 yards and, of course, a one-yard touchdown. And then 10 carries for 88 yards. One-yard touchdown to the pride ben of Notre Dame. Yeah. Burley back at the end zone. Uh, final look at last place teams, whether or not you think you can win the division next year. Denver, no. Um, we got the Chicago. All right, Atlanta, no. I, I don't think so. But then again, every quarterback in that division has gone. Tom it's Brady could be a be, whole new yeah, division. Tom Brady could be gone. Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston could be gone. Who in the hell knows what they're going to do in Carolina? Are the Rams in last place? Arizona is by one oh, game. Oh, okay. But, you know, I got to believe Kyle Murray had surgery today. I got to believe that they're going to have a new coach. Probably. They also said he's might not be ready for the start of the season. I heard that today as well. Well, they didn't even know who the general manager was going to be. He's he's on a leave of absence. So you, you've got that to, uh, to deal with as well. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was limited today after not practicing yesterday. Same status today for Andrew Wingard and Trayvon Walker with a shoulder and ankle respectively, limited on both days. One set, excuse me, that was not a setback. Uh, Brandon Sheriff was actually a move forward with his abdomen and ankle. Didn't work on Tuesday, limited today. No work for, well, JJ goes by long snapper. I'm a deep snapper. That's Ross Matisic. All right, did not. DNP, both uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Big Foley, limited both days. And Rayshon Jenkins, a player who was added to the injury report this week. A shoulder, limited both days. He's been inspiring uh, to watch. As far as, you know, Devontae Harris, one of their corners, didn't work today. Outside linebacker Terrell Basham did not work today with a back. Let me get the latest again on Derrick Henry. 
Uh, he's been full both days. Okay, so it and they had an upgrade today with uh, Traylon Burks. Actually, he wasn't on the injury report yesterday. He was put on today, so that means he probably was hurt uh, in practice either today or in practice yesterday. But again, you I mean Jeffrey Simmons, Amani Hooker, Christian Fulton, Dylan Cole? Their entire defense, it seems like, is on this injury report. So there you have it. Uh, Those guys are ready for vacation up there, man. Peterman came in at the end of the game through the pick uh, that that Ramsey picked off. Okay, <laughs> I should have remembered that as a uh, as a sideline reporter, but let's be honest, maybe that's the reason why I'm no longer the sideline <laughs> reporter. Sixteen forty six. Can't wait to get this. What are we drinking? Tweet from Baloo Saturday night. On Twitter. You know it's coming. And save some for me. I've been invited to all these tailgate parties. Is there any way I can just go as a fan, not 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 be no, I can't do it. I gotta sit next to Dave Campo. When you when you're mm. when when you're given listen, I'd I'd love to be on the sideline again. Uh, I'm not. Um sitting next to Dave Campo is an absolute treat. It really is. And Lauren Brooks. Lauren Brooks is a is a treat. It goes Lauren Brooks. It goes Brooksy Baloo Campo O'Brien. Okay, I mean you could put us in twins. You could put us. You could uh, put that. in the slot. You could put O'Brien in the slot. Actually, I shouldn't say that because Campo's a defensive guy. We could go three safeties, or we could go nickel coverage with a single high. O'Brien would be the single high. Brooksy's got some length, so she'd be on the edge. Campo and I would kind of handle things inside. His defensive knowledge is frightening. I remember years ago when I was in Chicago, you know what Ken Harrelson was? The, he played for the Red Sox. He left. He got on the PGA Tour. He actually, some say, invented the batting glove. And then he went to Chicago, but he was a longtime time. Oh, White the Sox. Hawk yeah, he was of a long course. time you White can Sox. Put it on the board. Yeah, yes. He was with Dick Stockton. You know, he did Boston games back in the in the seventies. Local TV did the World Series. The infamous the the, the the incredible home run by Carlton Fisk in the twelfth inning in the nineteen seventy five World Series. Boston, Cincinnati. The call on the local Boston station, and they did Red Sox games, was Dick Stockton and Ken Harrelson. One day, I was driving around. The station that I was on at night in Chicago was the score 670, and they stayed local to like 11 or sometimes midnight, so um, I get the last couple of hours on there. I did 10 to 2. Actually, 9 to 1 in Chicago because they're an hour behind. But... Ken Harrelson, I guess, Hawk Harrelson made a comment about, I, you know, there's still so much I need to learn about this game. And there was a, uh, a host there who was really good. He was a hot dog vendor. And a lot of people had fun with him because they thought, you know, his, he didn't have much of an education. I don't think he came close to graduating from high school. And you know how sports radio is. It's getting guys like you and I is, is, is pretty lucky because – Half these jobs go to former players and coaches. So his name is Mike North, and he's a, he's a good guy. 
and he, he's got Harrelson on. And he's like, what are you talking about? You don't understand baseball. You, you've played baseball your entire life. You, you've been a broadcaster who calls 162 games every single year. What do you mean you don't know baseball? And he was just giving you examples of things that he learns. Okay, I'm saying that because I think I know a little bit about football. I'm sure there are folks out there who really know the game, who laugh at people like me. They're like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's saying take Darius Williams and move him from the slot to the outside or take Trayvon Walker and have him put his hand in the de-. He didn't know what he's talking about. You, that's why I always with the offensive line, there's people I ask questions to about the offensive line because I've always admitted that. To me, that's the hardest thing to try to figure out in the NFL. All right? But I've always thought I've had a pretty good grasp on defense. You sit with someone like Dave Campo? From the second, third play on, I mean, things like coverage flow, the flow of coverage is not something that I think I have ever talked about more than you can count it on one hand in my entire career. I've never even heard that expression. Uh, It's fascinating. I know he walks in with a whole thing of notes. He writes every single play. He's just doing this for the love of the game. JJ, every single play, he's got stuff down there. Okay, now a lot of it, a lot of writers do that. The great thing about being a radio guy is we don't have to do that. I I may scribble something down here or there, but you know it's gonna we're gonna get the game book. We're gonna get everything from the Jaguars PR staff, which is phenomenal. They're gonna give us everything that we need, but that's why great coaching means something. The ability to scheme, okay? Pre-game, absolutely. What about in-game? How do you scheme in-game? What's the scheme right now for this football team defensively under Mike Caldwell? You and I know you have one job. That is to stop Derrick Henry. If they're going to beat you with Joshua Dobbs, then you got to tip your cap. Seriously. You got to tip your cap. But letting Derrick Henry beat you, and, and he's beaten him before, obviously. And, and again, look at what he did in the first quarter. He ran for 96 yards. He's going to eat, he's going to get his. But can you get some three and outs? Can you force some punts? Can you, instead of allowing seven, can you force a three and then have Jacksonville's offense score and all of a sudden you force Tennessee to change what they want to do and that's run the ball. So even though I think Jacksonville's going to put up a huge number, I am excited to listen to what Dave Campo has to say about how it's working in-game. What are they doing against Henry? What do they need to do if they're not doing it? Dave's very opinionated. So, anyway, it's just a – I'd love to do the tailgate thing with you. I would. That'd be fun. But, you know, if I was sitting next to JJ, I'd be out tailgating with you. Unfortunately, (laughs) I'll be in this exact same seat. (laughs) 
<laughs> working the Jags game. It's Dave Campo. No drinking for me either. It's like, I, man, I'm, I'm one of the luckiest guys in the building. So looking forward uh, to that. All right, let's put our final stamp on this one. Hacker Nation is coming up at 8 o'clock. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, quick reminder again, Mr. Chubby's Wings tomorrow night in Ponte Vedra, 6 to 8. Look forward to seeing you folks out there. Uh, got, got one here from the uh, 6960 asking me to give a little bit of PSA about getting into the stadium earlier and get to your seats. It is a good point. I mean, as you know, when you go to a big game, when you go to a concert or whatever it is, it's it's not like the old days. It's going to take you a while to get in. So, fair warning. If if toe meets weather at 8.15 and, you know, it's 10 of 8 and then you're making your walk over from the parking lot, you're probably going to miss kick. You're cutting it close. Yeah. So I, you know, and, and I get it. I mean, the beers are cheaper in the parking lot. The, uh, you got buddies with you, and you may split. I, I get it, but for this game, it's going to be packed. So get in uh, early, uh, absolutely. Uh, Eighty-nine twenty blue. Is Derrick Henry lost a little bit? Has he lost the step? You know, there, there was some talk about that. He. If you look at what he did early in the year, outside of the three or four quarterbacks, he, he was actually like an MVP candidate up until, you know, after they lost at Arrowhead and he had 115 yards on 17 carries. He had gone 114, 102, 128, 219, 32 for 219 at Houston. 115. And then remember. But that's w- only like. One nineteen against a real NFL team. <laughs> hey, Houston turned around and beat him. They did. Uh, he went because I remember talking about this when Jackson went out there. Or he went one, two, three. He went four games without going over a hundred yards, and and more importantly, his average per carry in those four games actually was five games. Uh, I'm sorry, it was four. 2.8, He did play well against Jacksonville, certainly in the first half, right? 119 of his 121 yards came in the first half. 96 of those yards came in the first quarter. And, you know, the two weeks after that, he has gotten back to form. 21 for 104 at L.A., 23 for 126 against Houston. Of course, he did not play last week against Dallas, but he's been battling an injury. So I don't know, is it safe for me just to sit here and say he's lost a step, or is it the fact that he's been dealing with a nagging injury? You got to wonder, though, I mean, how much longer is this man going to be able to do it? He's 28. He actually turned 28 today, okay? He was born on this date in 1994. But he already has 1,720 carries. He wasn't used all that much in 2016 and 2017. And, of course, he only played a half season in 2021. But 319 carries this year, 378, 303. Then you look at all the carries he had 
uh, certainly in high school. You look at the carries he had at Alabama. Um, you know, he only played really two and a half years as a freshman. He didn't get that much work. Then he went to 172 carries. Then he went to th- – Nick Saban ran him 395 times. In what was – that's got to be, what, 12 games? Possibly 13? I honestly For them, yeah. I honestly don't remember when the, in, when the schedule switched. But you're talking about 12 games, 395 carries. This guy's taking a lot of abuse. He's a he's a powerful guy. I've seen his workouts. They're, they've gone viral. So that's my way of telling you I don't know if he's lost a step. I think it's more of the fact that he's had some nagging injuries, lower body injuries. All right, that's it. Thank you to the Philly Godfather. Thank you to John Osher. Hacker is coming up next. JJ is the producer of the program. My name is Rick Boo. I don't check the text line now that the show is over. If you want to get a hold of me, please do so. On Twitter, that is Baloo1010XL. The party continues tomorrow, 6 to 8, live from Mr. Chubby's Wings out in Ponte Vedra.